welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two co-hosts uh, who always remember to lock all windows and all doors. What's up, Sarah and Jean? Uh, hey, Dave. Hey, Jean. I don't get the reference this week, so I'm, I'm curious oh. to, like, is it lock your windows, lock your doors, that, that person from however long ago but um i remember to draw my blinds and have fans on and if you hear the ac on i'm sorry i'm just not doing it this week so uh my name is sarah siders you can find me on twitter at sarah siders you can find the show at potadelphia and i'm gene zilak and we're gonna bring this in for a landing <laughs> we're on the seesaw uh, you can find me at Producer Gene. You can find the show at Potadelphia because we just love to repeat ourselves. Uh, yeah, and if you're looking for the show, you can just uh, just find us on Twitter at Potadelphia. Uh, no, lock all windows, lock all doors. It's a classic uh, Zoom off um, oh, uh, reference oh. to a 24-second a violation. Um, and uh, that's where we're going to start today. We're, we're, we got the, the sad news this morning that uh, – Mark Zumov is not going to be calling Sixers games uh, for us anymore. Yeah, that was surprising. Um, it also was surprising just how long he's been doing it. You know, I, I knew, to, to me, he's the voice of the Sixers. You know, I, I don't have any strong memory of someone other than him doing, uh, you know, the television coverage. But... There were no, you know, no, no inklings, no rumors that he was gonna gonna leave. Um, seems younger and healthier. I mean, young enough and healthy enough. Um, so I was uh, really surprised, and actually, it, it uh, affected me more than I thought it would. You know, I thought my response was gonna be, "Oh, that's a shame," and then I'm like, "Yeah, it is a shame. It really is a shame that he never got to be there for a championship." Came close, but never, never there for the Sixers to close the deal. Which is why I thought he would have, you know, if he was thinking about this retirement, I'm assuming he was thinking about it for a while, um, you know, like hang on for another year or so to like really see this window uh, through to completion. Not that he gets to call the games on television anyway. Right, so yeah. um, I I guess what's the point, Gene? How does the how does Zoomov leaving uh, stack up for you? Uh, w w like when you know you, I know it's not death, but uh, w when you came to the intellectual conclusion that Harry Cows wasn't going to be able to call any more Phillies games. Well, I'll I'll tell you, we have been, uh, and I don't know if this is how other people feel about. The only other places I think maybe that have an equivalent sort of relationship is maybe like L.A. and Chicago and New York, um, maybe St. Louis, but really just with baseball. Um, Philadelphia has had a um, just a glut of extraordinary talent calling their games. Like we grew up with Harry Callis, and he had called it through our father's generations. Uh, we had Gene Hart for Flyers, who taught an entire uh, city what hockey was. We've had Mark Zumoff do Sixers games through uh, and was there for 01. And um, I definitely listened to game one of the 01 series uh, in L.A. on the radio synced up with my television. Um, so I only know Mark Zumoff's call of the step over and not um, the NBC call. Um, and we've had Merrill Reese call Eagles games. Uh, and I go back to Merrill and Stan Waters, which I think is still the far superior uh, pairing than Merrill and Mike Quick. Maryland Mike Quick got to, got to call a lot better games. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've just had an extraordinary glut of talent for all four sports. And I'll tell you, um, comparing it to Callis is very difficult because there's not really anything that you can compare to Harry. I mean, he literally died in the booth. Um, <laughs> and I don't think that there's anything more poetic than him dying in the booth. Right. Except maybe dying during a World Series game that he wasn't allowed to call on television. Um, you know, thank God we got to hear him say, you know, Phillies are the World Series champions of baseball and get to see Chris Wheeler doing this. Um, yeah. you know, I'm glad that we have that in the, in I don't know lives. why, Gene, whenever um, I see wheels, wheels doing that, I think of you. 
<laughs> well, I don't know any because I often imitate it, but also because I once like toured the Budweiser brewery behind Chris Wheeler. Um, so we even sort of have a thing. Um, <laughs> okay. I don't miss him. Just for all of the talent we've had in the booth in Philadelphia, we also had Chris Wheeler. So um, it's kind of unfair for Wheels, though, because like when you're the third man with Harry and and Whitey, it's tough to be like, I'm gonna hold up my leg of the table here. Pretty, you know? <laughs> I think I think my biggest problem with Wheelers with Wheeler with has always been that like he sort of thought of himself as like, you know, it was Harry, it was one A, and and Whitey was one B. And he doesn't think of himself as anything less than one C. Like he, he really does sort of think that he's right there with everybody. Um, my my but take on wheels. Leaving... Go, no, I, go I was going to say my take on wheels was always that he was the company guy. You know, it's like you know, he had Harry, he had Whitey, and they didn't care. They were like going to call the game. Obviously, they love the Phillies and all. And wheels is like feels like he got his talking points straight from management up until like right before he left the booth. Yeah, then all of a sudden you had Wheeler as the rebel. And if Wheeler is the one that's talking uh, like insurrection about your team, then you know you've got serious, serious issues. Yeah, he always felt like a, like the narc in the booth. You know, <laughs> it's just like going to be like, oh, hey, guys, we got we got to talk about all the great things the Phillies do. But uh right. But yeah, I just want to hop in with that on Wheeler. What were you going to say about uh more about so Zumoff? When I when I saw that Zumoff was retiring, there was there was sort of it was sort of a a mixed thing because like I'm actually sort of glad that you know there's always been sort of part of me that always wants to see somebody go out on top. You don't want to see like and and this is probably going to bother somebody, but like you don't want to see the Dick Clark effect. You know what I mean? Like you don't want to see. Mark Zumoff get to the point where he can't he can't call like down the, the, the final seconds of the game. Um you want to always see him. You didn't you didn't want to see the Ryan Seacrest sort of like tailing behind him at games, um, just waiting for him to croak so he could take over the job. Um, so like I, I said, somebody was gonna get offended by this example, but yeah, it's it, hey, it's where my mind went. But um yeah, so Zoom off. I am glad that you're going to be able to get out while you're still doing bandstand and not before you can't count back from 10. Yeah. So. Zoom off basically says in his, in his letter to fans um, uh, that he wants to spend more time with his wife uh, who, you know, was without him most, most evenings and weekends um, while he's calling basketball games. And, you know, he, he basically calls out his own mortality. He's like, you know, while I still have, vitality left in me i want i want to be able to do these things that i've always wanted to do travel play you know play the pan flute or whatever he's gonna do with now with the rest of his time um take a cooking class learn a language you know whatever uh but he i i, I and like honestly like reading that it's like i can't blame the guy it's it's always what i say i would do if i was ever in the position that I had, you know, millions of dollars or, you know, whatever I was financially fine. I would leave and, and, you know, use my time uh, wisely at the, at the end. So, I mean, I can't begrudge the guy. It's going to be great seeing him ring the bell uh, in the finals next year uh, at the, you know, at the next Sixers uh, home game at the finals. It's going to happen. Yeah. I did look up his age and he's only 65, which is, you know, it's, young for doing that job he could do it another five ten maybe yeah, even like more years. alberts and all those like hell al friggin michaels yeah so i mean he could definitely do it but then also i thought well 65 i want to be retired at 65 you know i mean who doesn't want to be retired at yeah 65? it's like you've worked a long time you've yeah, earned the right yeah i mean he could still go to sixers games like you know get, get season tickets i bet you they give him a discount so, Gene, what's the best? Like, I, for me, it's lock all windows, lock all doors. That's always my favorite, like, zoom off thing. I will I will always say it, at least to myself, every time there's a 24-second violation, no matter what game I'm watching, um, I always say it. I say it to my kids, you know, all the time. What, what is yours? Garbage in the gold? Is that? No, mine's, mine's you know, we're bringing it, bringing it in for a landing. We're coming in so for like, a landing. Like, any anything that's, like, inside, inside of, like, 30 seconds and you're like a one point game or, yeah. you know, you, 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 you know, the, the shot clock's been unplugged and you know that 
right. you know, we're gonna have to bring it in for like I literally can't hear any other phrase in that situation. It seems like he just was the master at saying something that was somewhat cliche. I mean, none of his things were particularly um you know, like mind-bendingly creative. Right, you know, right, he right. wasn't cool like the he's other like a, he's like a 1990s sports center anchor. But um he, he had such a cadence and such a like a knack for being able to use his phrasings to be a shorthand for situations that um, you could basically you could basically tell an entire game story situationally using just zoomisms and never actually mention the yeah. actual score of the game. Yeah, and and yeah, to take that Tyler Johnson when Ben dunked over him. Like, yeah, yeah. I could just hear you could just hear Zoom off uh saying that it's just su such an icon. So do you think it's McGinnis? You think they're gonna bring McGinnis over? That I think that's what I would like. I yeah. think that's what I would like. Do you think Zumov retired because he was tired of carrying Allah Abdenavi like, <laughs> through every broadcast? Abba is he's a big he's Allah's a big dude to carry too. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be killer on the back, the joints. They do need, they really do need, like, another. But they, they just like, kept, like, they, they the just kept, like, shuffling partners with him yeah. um, over the years. But, uh, you know, Zoom off. Eric Snow for a while? I seem to remember. Was, he was with Eric Snow. It, I remember with, like, Malik Rose. Yeah, I like Malik Rose. Yeah, and Eric Snow and, and Oliver, the are the guys that I remember. I know he's been there for longer than that, though. So, well, he yeah, McGinnis will be interesting because yeah, he's, he's a solo guy on the right. on the radio. Yeah. So I don't know. And uh, I, I actually really yeah. like his call, too. So that's yeah, I would I'd clean out. I would clean out Abden Abbey with this. I would just bring a whole new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you, you bring him in with a new partner. I think that there's a lot. I would like to see them go and try to find a guy. You know, maybe a process castaway that's kicking around um, that could come back and sort a of process castaway. There's some of these process guys that are now just you know out of the league that could come in and. <laughs> Keep I mean, honestly, for like, like <laughs> if, if I had my dream, it would be to bring back like uh, like TJ McConnell or something. Um, okay. To have him be like the right hand man, but I think he's still got some some years in his legs. Um, we were talking earlier about these like broadcast groups and stuff. And, and I, you know, it really is a shame that they, they always get kind of cut off in the playoffs when like the spotlight is the brightest and you kind of like, yeah. lose the guys that you've spent the entire year listening to. And, you know, you feel like you, you've built a relationship with them. It's like they're the part of the experiences, like that tonality of that voice. Um, and, I, I just I know it'll never happen. It'll never never in a million years ever happen. But I, I don't know. Like we didn't, I don't know that we talked about it very much. But when the Phillies were on Peacock a couple of weeks ago, they had these mixed booths. Um, oh, okay. Of of like Phillies broadcasters and Giants broadcasters, and mm. like John Miller, who's like you know also a like legend. legend um, you know, in the booth with Crock and and J Roll and stuff, and like. The two, because like no one knows the game better than like I don't care. I don't care how much, like how much time you give like Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and uh, you know McCarver and all these guys to like study the team. Like nobody knows them as much as the hometown announcers do. And it was an interesting dynamic having like the two sides like together in the booth calling the game. I would love to see more of that. I mean, I know it probably couldn't happen in basketball as easily as it does for baseball, but. Well, it was certainly interesting, and it was one of the the, the best broadcasts of the year. Mm -hmm. you know, they actually talked about the sport. You know, it was just I, – I, I have a bit of a love-hate with Kruk. You know, I think Kruk does bring a lot to the, the booth for the Phillies on a regular basis, but I also I think he can get, you know, in the weeds – you know, when it's like, oh, let's talk about the fans. Let's talk about what to eat. And, you know, Kruk will not pull the conversation back to baseball. But if you talk to him about baseball, he'll talk about it all day. Uh, J-Roll is amazing. I really like J-Roll. I just think he probably has too much money in the bank to do it on a regular basis. 
he's probably because like I like my job to come here mm-hmm. once a month. J-Roll's got like two hundred dollar cameos. So, all right. Well, <laughs> for, for, I was going to surprise you for your birthday. Oh, coming up. <laughs> um, but but I like that that mixed booth. It was certainly you know something y- unique. I don't know if you could do it all of the time, <laughs> but. Yeah, the Flyers have done it um, for preseason games. Not not often, but uh, I know at least twice they've done it with the Caps. And you bring it in, you get a different perspective. And like you said, Dave, they know their own guys better. You know, it cuts down on some of the homerism. And, you know, they're professionals. They can call it down the middle. They can call it, you know, they can be homers. They can give each other a little hell. I would like to to see it. Maybe it doesn't make sense in the playoffs. You know, I always wanted there to be the second audio channel. You know, we have them. Your TV has tons of them. You know, occasionally you get Spanish, but I mean, most TVs, you can have like three or four second audio programs. <laughs> I would love to do, uh, I mean, like just from like a Philadelphia standpoint, I would love to do like a watch party with like a Braves podcast or, um, you know, Mets podcast or something. I think it'd be, it'd be fun to do. It'd be fun to watch, um, you know, a, uh, a Celtics podcast or something like that, you know, uh, I think it would just be fun, but I, I like I think that so too, but we can't have any alcohol involved or else it, or else it might turn <laughs> will, like real bad. There will most definitely be uh there will most definitely be <laughs> alcohol involved. And, and before we leave the uh, broadcaster portion of the show, um, do we need to talk about Merrill Reese? Well, I, <laughs> what's the word? You can't hand that baton off. This is this no. Is th- look, this episode could definitely turn into being titled "Dave Hates Merrill Reese." Um, I think the tonality of his voice is incredible, and I think that he's been relying on that for at least the better part of a decade. I, I don't know what else to say. That that the radio broadcasts of the Eagles games are horrible. Um, I, I don't know, like. And maybe it's not all Merrill's fault. Maybe it's just like the the um, the advertisement revenue has been like such a critical part of these calls. Uh, Mike Quick is terrible. Uh, he does not really add much to the game. I mean, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say as doddering, but uh, <laughs> it's just not insightful. It's bland. It's boring. I mean, yeah, Merrill still sounds great. Like his, you know, the dulcet tones of Merrill Reese are still there. It's just, I don't, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't do it for me. I don't know what like Merrillisms there are. And I'm sure there are people that are like, oh my God, the call of this play was just like incredible, but they all sound virtually the same to me. And I I mean, obviously we have high bars that we're holding these guys up to. Um, But for me, it's just like Merrill's not doing it for me anymore. And the the radio brought the Matt Blatt splat of the game and the Nestle crunch hit and all this other crap. Every single play has some sort of, it's like the first quarter and they're like, all right, this is the defensive stop of the Kia defensive drive of the game or like whatever. It's like, well, it's the first quarter. So how do you know that it's the defensive play of the game? Uh, It's just nonsense. The radio is a mess. It's almost like I would rather just put my phone up on the dashboard and watch the little dots with the football going over. Like it just, it's just, it might as well just be that because for me, it doesn't, it's just not working. Yeah, and it's I I completely agree because I used to really love listening to a football game on the radio. You know, I used to enjoy, you know, watching um, you know, the first half of a game at a friend's house and then um <laughs> a friend of the show uh Tim is suggesting doing a like We'll like do a GoFundMe or go something. Me we'll, for, we'll have like we'll, we'll see what kind of crazy shit we can get J Roll to do on his on his. That, that's no, don't. It's, it's that'd be a way or get somebody bigger. Um, oh, okay. J Roll's not good money, enough. All right, I see. Apparently so. Apparently so. But um, no, I used to really enjoy listening to the football games on the radio, and like you said, Dave, the it's unlistenable. The Matt Black spot of the game, and hey, we have to go down the field. Howard, what are you hearing? Oh, okay, back up to you know. Oh my God, they no. have Eskin on that crap. I mean, they have, yeah. Oh Jesus, it's yeah, they do. But there's, you there's, I don't listen to it very much. There's no breathing room, and I know that's the way sports are called nowadays, but especially on the radio. You know, I when I think of great Merrill Reese calls, 
it really is that cadence. It really is delivering the game to you as if you were there, you know, you know, McNabb under center, you know, you know, looks over the defense. You feel the tension build before the ball snapped. Now you don't. Now it's we're to this, we're this, we're this, and five yard game. You know, you get maybe one, you know, 35 30. 2520, you know, that that mm-hmm. cadence. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it just the game doesn't breathe anymore, and you lose out on so much of what made Merrill special. And Mike Quick, he's yeah. fine, he's not good. He adds nothing. But but the whole the whole thing is not good. I always you know? like when they do like uh Eagles wearing their midnight green jerseys trimmed in white with white pants moving left to right. To right. Yeah, <laughs> I see I, th- that, but we know that, and that paints the picture. You know, I was as yeah. a kid, I remember, like, I asked my dad, like, why do they say moving left to right? Because honestly, that when I would hear that, I'd be like, oh, shoot, I have it wrong in my head. And then I would, like, <laughs> mentally flip them going the other way, like I'm watching it on TV or something. So. Yeah, but it, it helps you picture the game. And yeah. it's – and maybe he's phoning it in. Maybe time has left him by. Maybe – Nobody could make that that broadcast listenable. But, yeah, I do feel for Merrill. I don't like listening to the Eagles on the radio. The Phillies, I love it when I get my Jim Jackson in there. I'm <laughs> all aboard. That's a platform uh, that I proudly stand upon um, of grabbing Jim yeah. Jackson from the Flyers where he is good, but, you know, not the greatest. He's very good. I like Jim Jackson on the Flyers. Take him to that, put him on the Phillies coverage. He is great at baseball. He is good at hockey. He's great at yeah. baseball. But LA and Fransky are, 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 are really, really good to listen to. Oh, also, yeah. I'm a huge, I'm a huge Larry yeah. Anderson guy. I wasn't at first. It took me a while to sort of like buy into Well, they got better. Player. Like same yeah. thing with Kruk. Kruk's gotten better. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, Kruk is great. I think Fransky and, and LA are great. I'll tell you, um, I think that the state of football announcing in general is horrific. There is not, I, I like. I honestly can't think of like who I enjoy that calls a football game. No, you don't know. You don't really know football announcers all that much. No, I mean like you do, but you certainly don't like. Uh, are you talking about radio or TV or like? I, I'm talking across the board. I'm oh, literally okay. talking across the board. Okay. Um, I listened to a lot of different radio calls in other markets when I had serious and was a serious gambler. I was a serious <laughs> listening, serious gambler. Um, so I will tell you the one thing I will say that Merrill Reese and maybe the thing that I, the hill that I will die on hit for him is there is not anything that even resembles the way that he calls a game in any other city. He is truly at least a brand unto himself so that if you listen to an Eagles game, you are at least getting a uniquely Philadelphia and Merrill Reese experience. But I will tell you, and children, if you're listening, you may want to plug your ears this is very much to me when I saw the YouTube video of how Merrill Reese calls a game was very much like being revealed that the, the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy are not the same person, um, which I didn't know if you guys knew. But like I thought the whole time the Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy, same guy. It's not true. Um, but Merrill it's Reese. It's funny to me, though, that you personify the Tooth Fairy as male. He's not? No, I mean, like it. Totally could be. I don't know. It's just in my mind. I was just always a female, uh, female fairy. The, the... I, I don't. I think that that's. I think that's very close-minded, Dave. Uh, well, you're probably right. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Gene. Thank you. <laughs> um, Representation in the tooth in the tooth fairy thing. Also, I'm just tooth- being honest. In my mind, the tooth fairy was a woman. The Easter Bunny was male. I don't know what. I don't know what to tell you. Well, the Easter Bunny was a bunny. I was Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Just real quick public service announcement. Your tooth fairy is dependent upon your school district. So the Narstown area school district tooth fairy gets a dollar. So maybe if your cousins are in a different school district, uh, they might get more. But or, less. Not, or less. If your tooth fairy is cheap. You, it's school district. It's your tax dollars. And it's much at work. like bus drivers. Like you may have a, a guy uh, tooth fairy. You might have a lady tooth fairy. So what happens in school when they go? I got five dollars from my tooth. Maybe they. 
We'll cross Wires that bridge when we come to it. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, is always the best policy. But if uh, you've ever seen the, the YouTube video where they show how, I think it's on YouTube, where they show how Meryl Reese calls a game, and you see how much of the work is done by his spotter uh, and his like statistician, ah. like you really do see, it's really very revealing as to how like how much that guy should be getting so much work. Like that guy. Just reading from the teleprompter. A it's a lot of this. He's got placards that he like fires up in Merrill's face. And then, you know, numbers. And then uh, writes down names. You know, and the guy is just on it, on it, on it. The binoculars. It's it's incredible to see how, like his spotter, how good he is to make Merrill sound so effortless. Hmm. Because really, it's just Merrill just going like, Blah 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 blah. Blah 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 blah. Like it makes him look very, very How did how did he let that get out, by the way? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was an NFL film thing. But I recommend it if you want to have like their curtain pulled back and your childhood ruined and everything that you hold sacred suddenly it's seems already fragile. ruined. If that's what you're into, <laughs> which is something I'm definitely everything's into. ruined for me. But um, I will say if you listen to other Places like if you listen to Jacksonville and you listen to Tampa Bay and and, and all of the Floridas, uh, if you listen to all the San Diego or if you listen to uh, um, the Texans, like you can't tell the difference between any of those teams. You can't. It's they they just all sound like the same broadcast. At the yeah. very least, when you listen to the Eagles, good, bad, or indifferent, it is a uniquely Eagles broadcast. I'm sure some and of those high school football games for a decade crazy. on Sundays having to listen to those broadcasts like and only the broadcast because I was running the radio feed at WDEL. So I and the 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 sync was so off so badly, like my feed from the radio was so ahead because of the delay. Um I couldn't watch it at the same time because I was like 10 seconds ahead. So I could see it like as a replay. But as far as I had as far as the game happening, I was sort of captive to the um, to the machine. So, um, I was actually always grateful when the radio calls would go national because then it could be automated and I could watch the playoff games at home. <laughs> um, also the, uh, the Trey Youngless, uh, Hawks are up 51 to 38 at the half. So if you could figure out basketball, please, please let me know because I have no idea what's going on. In the NBA. Um, all right. Well, um, you know, we just did 30 minutes on Zoom and, and announcers in general. Hey, uh, Embiid was spotted in Margate. On a, it's hard uh, to miss a, him, I assume, in Margate. A, what's that? <laughs> I said it would be hard to miss him in Margate. Yeah. yeah, yeah you I might guess be able so. to see him from several locales. Other other townships might be able to spot him if he was in Margate. Anyone surprised? Small enough to hide him in Margate. Anyone surprised Embiid's just like chilling in Margate? No, I yes and no. Intellectually, I'm surprised, but you know, viscerally, emotionally, not at all. He is a Philly guy. You know, he wears it on his sleeve. He really does seem like he enjoys being a Philly guy. I mean, he nicknamed himself the process. You know, so so I think. You know, like he's photobombing weddings in the past. I think him vacationing down the shore, probably saying down the shore, yeah. um, is 100% on brand. I love to see it. The guy just builds builds his legacy, you know. Sure. You don't see Ben down the shore, do you? <laughs> no. We'll talk about Ben in a second, but yeah, I, I'm just surprised at the Margate City selection choice. So I get Stone it, you know, Harbor. you have the baby, you know, they got the family, you got the baby, you want to do like driving, like you probably don't want to deal with like flights and stuff like that with the with the kids. So you're like, okay, Jersey Shore is a fine, fine destination. I'm just, I'm, I'm vexed by Margate. Nothing against Margate. Uh, Margate's totally fine. Um, I'm just wondering what went into that decision-making process to choose Margate over Avalon, Stone Harbor. Yeah, I would. I would think Stone Cape Harbor. May. That would be my first guess. 
No, America's Playground, but not not America's Playground. America's Family Resort is that Ocean City, New Jersey? Yeah, yeah. yeah. America's Playground is uh, Atlantic City. It was Atlantic City for a period of time, and now it, now it's uh, America's way too pointed analogy. <laughs> yeah, so. maybe that's part of it because Margate is fairly close to Atlantic City. Maybe you wanted to, you know, if that's one thing I know from working in Atlantic City, it's the Sixers love. Love Atlantic City. Um, so maybe that has something to do. You want to stay like kind of close to Atlantic City, but not in Atlantic City kind of thing? Yeah, no one wants to stay in Atlantic City unless you're staying at the hotel. I mean, Atlantic sure. City, wonderful and all, but um, yeah. nobody really goes there for the beaches. Um, so yeah. Margate makes sense there. And like Ventnor's like too close. I don't know. Anyway, all right. I hope enjoy. I hope uh, you know Joel and Bede and his family have a great trip. I hope people generally like leave them the hell alone, give them some some space, are respectful, and all that nonsense. Um, meanwhile, Ben Simmons uh, immediately took a jet to England, uh, hang out with his girlfriend, and uh, dropped out of the Olympics. So here's my question. Do you feel that Ben Simmons is and they say he's going to he's going to focus on like his own development. I guess he needs to, you know, work on a jump shot or whatever. Um, <laughs> so they're saying, OK, we're not going to on Instagram. Yeah, we're not going to play basketball. We're going to work on playing basketball. Um, is this. Is this avoiding more spotlight, or is this actually uh, like honest to goodness? We're gonna we want to work on stuff, and this is just gonna be a distraction. Uh, real quick question: he, Would he be playing for Australia? Yes, that's what I thought. The Boomers. Oh, I did not know that uh, nickname for them. Um, what I will say is, I hate it because. It's not like he's playing for Team USA. Right. You know, it's not like he a, a team's gold medal is going to ride on him. But it's still the world spotlight. And uh, wh what the hell do the Aussies need? Why can't he just sit there and and practice? You know, field goals. Why can't he work on his game at the Olympics in a quasi pressure filled situation? It's on the world stage, but. It's not – he's not the linchpin that's going to be between his team and the medal. His team's probably not going to medal. No, no. So, this is that. This is all bullshit. This is him avoiding – he wants to avoid this altogether. He doesn't want immediately to – jump like because it's going to be what? It's next month, right? So he's immediately going to be thrust back into basketball, and the conversation is going to be around him. And inevitably, they're going to play the United States, and he's going to look like a fool again on now like an even grander stage uh b because of this so i i think he's just this is a more act of cowardice he wants to avoid the spotlight he wants to hide he wants all this to go away it's just like put your head in the sand and forget this ever happened like what it, like next year is not gonna come i i don't get it i feel like if he were of tougher metal, it would just be, I'm going to get back out there and just do the damn thing. But since he's not, it, this is just, and I, I just feel like this is just adding on to the, um, uh, what do you call it? Like the, <laughs> the narrative, whatever. the narrative of like his, his inability to rise to a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, and, and Gene, I'll let you go in a moment. The only caveat is unless he's injured. That's cold, he, Tim. That's cold. Yeah, that's fucking dirty. That's, that's cold. Uh, for those listening, uh, we asked whether this is WIP, and uh, I'm going to tell Tim to hang up and listen. Um, <laughs> but it's unless Ben is injured, I really don't like this. Like, if he is injured, if he wants to, if he's like, eh, I'm nursing a little something, I need to be ready for the Sixers. Fine, but for for me. I, I again go back to hockey, and they have the the world championships right as you are eliminated from the playoffs. You know, so um, 
so for me, I want that competitive spirit. And then we have uh, CJ uh, asking, what happens if he gets injured in the Olympics? Sixers fan base would be furious. Very true. 100% true that Sixers fan base would be furious. I'm not saying I even want him to play. I just feel like him not playing is I want I feel like the reason is disingenuous. I feel like I want to him say, to want to play. I would rather Doc say Rivers look, I am, we are unplug I don't know. Maybe maybe not, but I feel like unplugging from basketball for a while or I look, I've talked to, you know, my mental I don't know, whatever. <laughs> Everything he says is going to be wrong. So if he says, I need to take a break from basketball for a while, people are going to go, no, you need to focus on basketball because you're not playing well. And if he says, I'm going to focus on basketball, people like me are going to go like, maybe you should take a break from basketball for a little <laughs> while and come back. So it's just, I get that it's a catch 22 and like, no one's ever going to like the, the Philadelphia population is never going to be like, yeah, you're doing the right thing, Ben. Uh, Cause it's just never, it never happens. So uh, my my, oh, I'm curious my, about uh, that. Facing a lot of backlash and oh, well, for dropping out of the Olympics, I guess. Um, yeah, I would bet. Yeah, I yeah. would they, imagine they, were, they were probably counting on him to sort of at least yeah. you know make them somewhat competitive, maybe bronze yeah. medal competitive. Who knows? Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I'll say this, and this, you know, I sort of agree with both of you. So I'm going to sort of take this in a different direction. What tier of Philadelphia athlete do you sort of put Ben Simmons on at this point? Um. I think that originally we were sort of aiming to have him on like the, um, you know, first round, maybe like the Donovan McNabb tier, like the first round prima Donna with sort of personality issues, okay. but eventually he, you know, hard to maybe for the fans to love, but his talent this is, is un, undeniable. Um, but now that it's looking like, I mean, you start to hear the drumbeat and it's been, it's been building and now it's fucking loud. No. Yeah, we, the drumbeat is, trade him and trade him like you know send a couple of wawas along with him whatever you need to do to make portland want to send him this way um if you haven't been able to tell like that's been my favorite thing on twitter this week is all of the um ben simmons for dame uh damian lillard trade offers that include all of the fun philly stuff like we'll send portland the rocky steps um, yeah, we'll send him a lifetime. This is a disease, lifetime supply of genos and pads. Uh, <laughs> like Portland wants any of that shit. Yeah, this um, is a disease that Philadelphia fans have, and we have absolutely ruined careers with this disease. And it's making players into like what what instead of instead of looking at a player and seeing them for who they are, we have this expectation of them to be like the Messiah. Um and well, we Jose have the Mesa is the only for them to be a, a Philly guy. No, and well, Philly guy is different, but be... the quintessential example of this is Andre Iguodala. Like everyone wanted him to be like the man, like a scoring machine. Like he's going to be like an all star. Just like by virtue of like where these guys were drafted, or like what they did in the minors, or like their first week. Like like everyone wants Reese Hoskins to be this like. 40 home run guy and he's just kind of like not that guy he's just kind of like a okay player and he's kind of like a below average first baseman like you yeah I, I like to me and we do this all the time and I, Sarah I'm sure you're gonna give me like a hundred examples in hockey because it's probably where it happens maybe the most where we want yeah, these these guys to like be JBR, this I thing. Think it's my like, prime example there. It's just like you're not that about. thing. And, the, and but then at the same time, we're going to turn around and go, oh no no no, like we can't we can't trade Reese Hoskins or <clears throat> like this is going to happen with Maxi. I think Maxi's got a lot of potential, but what if it, we don't, any like any trade like we're talking Damian Lillard, right? So I'm hearing like you know Ben Simmons, Maxi. And like are like two ones or something moving forward, and then two pick swaps, and then people are like, no, 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 don't don't include Maxi in that. And it's like, yeah, 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 include Maxi in that because Maxi is the easiest decision of that group. You just don't, you just don't know. And I know you want, you like, you want these guys to be this thing, and it's like sometimes they are, and sometimes it's Allen Iverson, and, and they and are. Indeed, is nasty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. you maybe don't need a third guy, and you have, and you have one. Right, and and here uh, this this comment here. If if Ben was allowed to be a turbocharged Draymond Green, he'd be fine. Yeah, 
but he can't be that guy as long as his team doesn't have an elite perimeter. Great. Yeah, but I don't even know if Philly fans would be accepting of that because of, uh, one, he was the number one overall pick. Two, he's got a max contract. Uh, three, he's got this like pedigree we heard about all coming into the league. So it's like, oh, my God, my well, expectation is he's he's – Magic Johnson, which you heard like in his rookie years. It's like, okay, he's not Magic Johnson. Like we need to come to terms with that and accept him for like the kind of player that he is. And then we need to handle that. And it's like, okay, well, if that's not the right fit, then we need to move on from it. If it is the right fit, you need to like understand that he's not going to be a 40 point per game player. But I feel like like we don't know the the type of player he is yet. And I do think you you, you make a really good point, Dave, because we do unfairly, like, you know, Philadelphia sports fans in general, we do unfairly malign these guys with expectations. You know, Gene, you brought up JVR. He is my mea culpa, where I... I got really frustrated with JVR the first time around because I wanted him to be a different player than he was. I'm like, he has size and skill and speed and a hell of a shot. I want him to be the next Eric Lindros. And he never was going to be that. You know, JVR the second time around, I'm a much bigger fan because I know who he is. And I accept that who he is. And for as much as we were being really hard on Ben a moment ago, and there's still time, we can we can loop back and be hard on him again. Um, but as much as as hard as we were being on him a moment ago, it was a month ago, a month and a half ago that we had Blevins on, and I know I myself going like, well, I don't care where Ben was drafted, I don't care what we hope he was going to be, but if he's this great facilitator. This ball distributor, you know, maybe he doesn't have to be the closer. Maybe he doesn't have to be the guy, you know, and that is, you know, that is, that's okay. But now we're just like going, show me something. You know, I, the the day the Sixers lost, I think it was game five. I put on, on Twitter that famous Tyra Banks. So we were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> And that's how I feel towards Ben, like going, come on. We want to defend you. We want to go, no, no, no. You got to appreciate this guy. So show me something. Give give me some ammo to defend you with, to mix all of our metaphors. And and I'll tell you this, I am a Ben Simmons fan. I am. I, I have worn his jersey. I have I have defended him in many, many arguments. And I will tell you, the, the point of acceptance that I came to after this Hawks loss was I don't want to keep returning back to the same group that has shown me time and time again now that they have a cap, that they have a ceiling, that there is something about the chemistry and makeup of this team that is not allowing them to ex- exceed and to gel and to get past what they need to get past I don't, I don't want to make excuses about injuries this year. There's an injured Sixers team in this playoff still should have beat the Hawks in five games. That was just a fact. And it's frustrating. And right now, the only true piece that I feel that we can move and bring back what could be an equivalent player and an equivalent projection for the future without selling off all of your land like Brooklyn is to move Ben Simmons. I don't want to move Embiid. I don't. He's the only thing that I would protect on that team because his window is short so that if you maximize what you have him for under contract, you may get the best version of that player. You know, and then he may go on to be Andrew Bynum. He may go on to play till he's 40. I don't know. But I I, I don't want to move a guy who plays the way he does who's part Dirk Nowitzki and part Patrick Ewing with a little bit of Olajuwon and a, an absolute top five finisher in the MVP race for the next three years. Like that Which is both of those guys cool. played pretty pretty late. What's that? In their career. I mean, oh, Ewing yeah, played yeah, yeah. for a long time and Nowitzki played for a long time. So if right, that's right. the comp. Which is why I'm saying like, that's um, the up, that's, that's, that would be incredible upside. That would mean you could build a team now 
fall, you know, dive and then rebuild another, have another window. Um, but you, you, you need to find what is the right pairing with his skill set so that you can maximize what he does well and allow. Yeah, him but which is what, which is why you know moving on from Ben is fine. I I I'm totally fine. I'm on board with moving on from Ben. I think Maury's going to do a good job. If if he if we does make a deal, it's going to be a good deal. It's going to be the best deal that we can get, and I'm confident in that. And I'm I'll just accept it. But what I I don't want to say is like okay, well I'm moving on from Ben because he's not. Uh, an elite scorer or, you know, or like whatever these other like expectations you had when he was drafted one overall. That's all. Right. Yeah. I I think that we move on from Ben because he actually does have, you know, elite an elite skill set and is going to net you a heavy return because he will go someplace else and succeed because he is a talented player. And there is probably a situation where, he is going – it's not that he has not had great seasons here. He finished – was a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. He does things that benefit a team, if that's funny. Toby is, ex- is, is escaping. Well, you know, look, you don't need to be the shortest person when the lightning strikes. You just need to not be the tallest. Right. <laughs> well, and, and Tobias is not the one being bantered about that is going to be leaving. You know what I mean? And it, well. If they got a deal that included Tobias Harris, I would, I would do that too. I just don't think that he's the one that's going to net you a Damian Lillard. I don't know that the Sixers are going to get that. That would be my dream pick. It is the one that's the sexiest chatter right now. Um, but we all know that for a while we all talked about how the Sixers were getting LeBron James. Look how well that worked out. <laughs> yeah, and and to 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 bounce up Lillard that point, is unlikely. Like I I I I just want to. Put that out we there. Believe, like we believe that highly we were unlikely. Place. We and we might have been in second place for LeBron James. It's just really there wasn't anything but first place. It's really unlikely that we're going to land Damian Lillard. I'm just I'm but just saying it's. I think it's unlikely he gets traded out of Portland. Period. Okay. Just, well, then there you but, go. But for anyone the Sixers want to bring by in, virtue, it's very unlikely. But by anyone the Sixers want to bring in or any team wants to bring in somebody, you have to give up something. You know, and you know, Dave, you alluded to it with like Maxi. It's like, oh, no one wants to include Maxi. Other teams aren't just stupid. Yeah, there are dumb GMs out there, but they're not just going to give up assets for nothing. Usually, it's the Sixers GM. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, usually it's Philadelphia. But no, it's if you want to bring in something, if you want to improve your team, you have to give up something. And you know, anyone who suggests getting rid of Ben is like addition by subtraction that's that's a lot that's the wip comment but the idea of hey this is this is your best asset to bring in things to get the sixers to win now maybe that's the case i don't know i don't know but that's you have to give to get something um yeah and so just so everyone uh just to prove that no one knows anything about sports the hawks are up by 20 right now and Vince Velasquez pitched a shutout today. So, and did he get innings. caught with spider tack? I mean, if he if he's got it, he didn't get caught. Well, good job. I'd say so. Um, he always struck me as the, the 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 one that would be able to get through the system. Vince Velasquez definitely and, seems and, sneaky enough for me. And if the Hawks aren't just the goddamn luckiest team in the NBA now, Giannis is hurt. Um, went down with an apparent knee injury, so they get the Knicks. Like a defunct Sixers team with an injured Embiid. Now they're going to get, uh, you know, an an injured uh, Anacupo. And like, who? What other dumb luck are they going to fall into in the finals if if they happen to make it? But it's just what a devastating playoffs NBA playoffs with all these injuries. It's almost like you know, I don't know. The Lakers were out of it because of it. The Nets are out of it. The Sixers were out of it. Uh, you know. Kawhi's yeah, it was like to be like this the, resurgence of like Showtime. You were going to have all of these. The Warriors were out of it before the season in the, even in the, started. In the, in the finals, and and what did you get? You're going to get Trey Young. Oh, uh, well, he's hurt awful. too. Yeah. So you know, I mean, I'm sure he'll be back probably later in the series, some in some capacity. Um, but let's see, what are we at here? Fifty minutes. Let's do five minutes on the Flyers. 
Because we talked a lot about trading uh, Ben Simmons today, but there is a lot of uh, activity on Flyers Twitter about um, old-time cartoon characters. So, Sarah, take it away. (laughs) (laughs) Or the son, or one of the sons of an old-time cartoon character. Um, And it's not just Flyers Twitter, which is insane as always. Yeah. For the love of God, people, unplug. And this is me. This is me. You can see how much I'm on there. I can't help myself either, but unplug. Have a drink. Calm down. But the Flyers are heavily rumored to be the one of the teams most aggressively pursuing Seth Jones. Seth Jones, son of Popeye Jones, a current assistant coach with the Sixers. Um, Seth entered the league, I want to say like six years ago now, uh, in the same draft as Nathan McKinnon, went fourth overall to the Nashville Predators, and has been a very good defenseman um, for a while now. He's currently in Columbus, and he has told the, the, the Blue Jackets that he's not going to sign an extension with them. More or less, this stuff goes through the grapevine, but that he's not going to... to extend with them. He's an unrestricted free agent next summer. And Columbus is looking to trade him, and there is a whole lot of smoke surrounding the Flyers. And it can still fall through, but I did want to address it this week because we're taking next week off for the holiday. So two weeks from now, I think it's probably going to be done. And I think... Uh, that this guy would be an asset to the Flyers. Hopefully, it doesn't cost too much. Hopefully, it doesn't cost much as a one-year rental, which I don't think the Flyers would do. I don't think that's something Chuck Fletcher is looking to do to give up a lot for one year of Seth Jones. He's just not worth it. But there's a lot of debate as to whether he's actually a good player, and I I think Seth Jones is a very good defenseman. He would come onto this team and instantly be the second best defenseman depending on his game his season he might overtake Provy for the best defenseman um so it's a it's a very real possibility that he ends up at the flyers i will say something's jumping out to me it's the same sort of thing that jumped out to me with kevin hayes the question for me is why hasn't it been done yet if there's been you know two weeks of the Flyers are going hard for, for Seth Jones. Why isn't it done yet? And I think it's one of two reasons. One, we just can't nail down the price. It's so... Now, this is a trade situation. This isn't yep. like a free agent situation, yep. right? It is a trade situation. And, you know, I think to, to bring Seth Jones in even for a year, which I don't think the Flyers are interested in doing, is going to cost something. Um... But they haven't said the Flyers have dropped out. You hear that all the time of, you know, this team is interested. They have dropped out. The price is too high. So I think the Flyers are still interested. That means if we land Seth Jones, one of two things is going to happen. It's going to cost us more than you probably want. And there might be, I haven't heard this yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if his agent's negotiating with teams for for an extension. But I think... What is fair value in your opinion? Because to me, I'm just like, just don't trade Farabee. Um, I would like for them not to trade Farabee, but you're going to have to give up some assets. He is worth Farabee. Okay. Like, if it's Farabee and, 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 mm, maybe not. If, If Seth Jones comes here extension in hand, that's gonna be that's gonna be pricey. That's gonna be, let's say Faraby, our number one overall pick this year, which is the starting point to any negotiation. Here, the Faraby, the number one overall pick, maybe a defensive prospect like an Igor Zamula, maybe, um, not a Cam York. I can't imagine like someone like Cam York and Faraby would go. Those are two two high prospects, but you could lose. Therapy, um, maybe like a Jay O'Brien, maybe like a, a Carson Terwensky, um, along with a defensive prospect like a Zamola or a Therapy and a Myers second round pick, something like that. But it's 
I wouldn't hold my breath and say Farabee's untouchable. We saw a lot of good things from Farabee. We saw a lot of, you know, a small sample size out of Wade Allison. But if you want the Flyers to get better and get better quick and compete for the Stanley Cup, the forwards are where we have the most assets. And you have somebody like a Morgan Frost, who unfortunately has been injured, but a Morgan Frost to pop in the lineup. A Nolan Patrick, which only gets you so far. He's... You know, I want the guy to do well, but he only gets so far. Speaking of eye rolls, Dave just gave us an ex- <laughs> excellent one at the next. I mean, speaking Nolan of Patrick. players that we want to be like, you know, Mario Lemieux. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I, I, I mean if we, we only got five minutes left, we do not have time for, for discussing Nolan Patrick, but I will say I gave him a lot of the benefits of the doubt, and it's a lot like Ben. You know, some people were saying, well, Oscar handled his cancer so well, and, and Nolan didn't handle his migraines as well. Well, that's too bad. This too man bad. came so, back from cancer. You have a headache? Oh, my Lord. And people said that, like, seriously, as opposed to, like, migraines are debilitating. They really are. And it's not up for you. It's not up to us to go, well, this guy's the, the good illness victim, and this is the bad right, illness right, victim. Right. Like, no, they, they suffered through something. Let's root them on. But he didn't do himself any favors. You know, he didn't have a great year. He, he had a, a bad year. He is not the best guy in the media. He is not outgoing. It's He doesn't do himself any favors. And, I, you know, I don't see him having a career with the Flyers, but I also don't see him having very much trade value. It's not going to be, hey, Seth Jones, come to Philly. Here's Nolan Patrick. Right. It's going to be here's Nolan Patrick and somebody that you actually want. Here's a, here's a scratch off ticket. You know they were fun. They were fun Christmas gifts and stocking stuffers when you were a kid. But now it's like, oh, so you so you stopped at Wawa on the way over, huh? You know it's Nolan Patrick's not going to be enough to get any deal done. He he might help sweeten the pot, but that's it. Well, you know where the pot is the sweetest. Amsterdam. In the penalty box! All right. Um, surprise whistle. Normally I know that this is coming. But um, this week, uh, we're going to start Gene. Gene, who is in your penalty box this week? So, Gwen Goldman. This is not a penalty. I don't know if you guys saw this. Gwen Goldman finally nabs the Yankee bat girl job at 70 after being denied due to gender. So Gwen Goldman at 70 um, finally became the honorary Batgirl at the New York Yankees game on Monday during the team's home game against the Los Angeles Angels. Goldman asked to serve in the position 60 years ago when she was a girl but was rejected due to gender. So I want to give props to the Yankees organization who normally I don't throw a whole lot of props towards but this is a very cool story. Um, I think it's great that um, she got to finally sort of live her dream. Uh, I think that probably she appreciates it more now at 70 than she probably would have done uh, at 20 or, or 10, whenever she was going to be the ball girl or originally or bat girl. Um, and I think that it's uh, sort of a, uh, as far as honorariums go, which I'm not a fan of, I think the honorariums in general are pretty lame as far as honorariums go like i would totally be into being an honorary bat person i think we really do need to change the term to bat person as opposed to bat boy so maybe maybe that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna i'm gonna call an audible i'm gonna put the term bat boy into the penalty box all right. So uh, first, a, a tip of our hat, uh, Premier Etoile to uh, Gwen Goldman. Uh, congratulations for finally becoming a bat person or a ball person. But to the term bat boy, unless you're talking about someone from the weekly world news, you're doing it wrong. Bat boys, you're going in the penalty box for a two-minute minor. All right, Dave, who is in your penalty box this week? I'm putting the Ale Opi Omi lunatic 
um, from the oh, Tour de France uh, yeah. this week, who caused a massive crash and pile up because this person evidently wanted to get on television really, really badly and hold up their sign, which is evidently a combination of French and German. Um, with saying like "Go, mom, uh, mom, and pop pop." Were they were mom, mom, and pop pop? That's sort of the translation. The I mean, I took several years of French, so I know "ale" means "go," and um, my quick Google search has revealed to me that Opie and Omi are uh, like grandma and grandpa. So go, grandma and grandpa. Um, I hope everyone is cool. okay after. <laughs> I hope it was worth it. I guess they're, she's going to be sued now by the, uh, I don't know, what it was, the Cycling Federation or whatever, because... The hey, very listen, technical cycling did. Listen, you shouldn't do anything to upset the competitive balance in a bicycling <laughs> race. Ever. Never, never, never. So Take it from the Americans. Ale opiomi woman, you're going in my penalty box. Oh, we just can't avoid the French, can we? Uh, <laughs> the French language, not the people. The people are fine. Ale <laughs> um, um, you're going in the penalty box this week for causing havoc on the Tour de France. Uh, say hello to your grandmother and grandmother, grandmother and grandfather in public. Don't, don't, like in private, don't, don't ruin a race. So, Ale Ame. You're going in the penalty box. Two-minute minor for Make Me Speak French. Sarah, who's in your penalty box? Um, A bit of a last-minute audible for me as well. Um, it is the tail end of Pride Month, um, and the rainbow marketing has been everywhere. Everything is rainbows and pride and love is love and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is mostly a good thing. Sometimes it's hypocritical and then sometimes it's downright surreal. Have you guys seen the love seats from Ikea? No. Okay. Oh, so Ikea is running a, a promotion. Um, it's these are not for sale. That's the first part of this. The love seats are not for sale. Yeah. Um, they. Oh God. Yeah. Oh, if they were, I'd I'd have to consider. Is this something that have like musical uh, quotes no, on them? They pride flags, and artists have used them as jumping off points um, for for inspiration um, for their designs, and they are friggin' weird. Okay. So you have um, a, a a rainbow design uh, meant to represent the progress flag that's like floral and coming up. You have a trans one that's clouds and puffy and impractical to sit on. But <laughs> most notably, you have the bisexual flag, which is in the, the colors of the, the, the bi flag. And that, that's all well and good. But it's a whole bunch of handprints. And... It's embroidered with when you change or to and nobody believes you. Happy Pride? It doesn't say happy pride, but it just says we're celebrating people and we think bisexuals are liars. <laughs> so happy pride from IKEA to you. If you're bi, nobody believes you. So IKEA, for something as disjointed as it is surreal. Uh, keep your rainbow marketing and take a double minor for for, for bisexuals. Take a double minor for bisexuals. Ikea, you're going in the penalty box. All right. That is all the time we have for tonight. We will not be back next week. If Joel and Mead can go away to Margate, we can take Tuesday off to celebrate Independence Day. Uh, so we will be out of pocket next week uh but we'll be back the tuesday after to talk about everything we missed talk about some uh, i'm sure we'll have a lot week. of all uh, i think that's all-star week the week will be yeah back. we'll have a lot of all-star game we didn't even talk about the uniforms uh for the all-star game today it'll so be, we'll, it'll be we'll, it'll it'll keep for another oh another yeah week. yeah yeah well that we'll have a full all-star game breakdown uh next time next time i think we will we be broadcasting during the home run derby 
We might be. Yeah, it's usually Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So we'll be back then. Uh, if uh, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening day, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. And also check out the Painted Lines YouTube channel for wall-to-wall -wall, uh, Philly sports coverage, uh, including you know, pop culture and, and everything else that's going on in the world of fun um so again we'll be back in two weeks until then have a great day uh, have a great day at work everybody we are out of here